You're listening to The Big Show on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Hour number three. Live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems, downtown studios, The Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Maddie back tomorrow. Patrick Dumas alongside at the bottom of the hour. He just won the Shaw Charity Classic down at Canyon Meadows this weekend. Ken Duke will join us at 8.30. But right now, one of our favorites on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, NFL analyst for CBS. We say good morning to Charles Davis. Charles, how are you? I'm well. Good morning, guys. How's it going? Good. Well, excited to talk to you again. Excited for the football season, training camp full force, the preseason, almost half done already, which is already incredible. What's the biggest storyline you have your eye on right now? Because it's always tough to decipher what matters and what doesn't matter. The AFC East starts for me because last year the AFC West with Russell Wilson going to Denver and the quarterbacks there and just how difficult it was going to be to navigate. And (laughs) similar to past years, Patrick Mahomes navigated it quite well. Okay, so flip it over to the AFC East. In recent years, the Buffalo Bills have navigated it quite well. They are the team. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. But Aaron Rodgers going to New York with their defense, Miami and their track, track squad, and New England being New England, so you never, ever, ever count them out. I think they, be, they, they lead the league in intrigue right now. I realize a lot of people have Aaron Rodgers fatigue, and I get it. I absolutely get it. But I think if you're watching Hard Knocks, if you were really anti him before and you watched it with an open mind, you might say, okay, I might be seeing something different. And for me, right. I'm not saying you have to like him now. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is I think you're seeing a person finally happy over after he has not really been as happy as he could be over the last X number of years in Green Bay. That's what I'm saying. That's just one person's opinion. Charles, I know it's kind of weird to say, are we – sleeping a little bit on the Buffalo Bills? Oh, I know exactly what you're saying. Um, I think the Bills, frankly, are ecstatic <laughs> because they've had to carry the mantle for a few seasons now, and I think they are really thrilled that all of us types, yeah, we you know we cover them, and we always say the same thing in every sentence. Hey, the Bills are still the team to beat in the division, but, and we go right to other teams. I think they're loving right. it. And it's probably good for them because, guys, you know what it's been like for them over the last few years. They've been the team in that division, but they haven't gotten to their ultimate goal yet. And last year, I give them a mulligan, and I know that teams themselves never do that. The good ones don't. That organization will not. But I have said in recent weeks, and I will stand by it, If this had happened, if DeMar Hamlin and the unfortunate thing that happened in Cincinnati and then the aftermath had happened to Kansas City at the exact same point or Philadelphia at the exact same point, neither one of them gets to the Super Bowl because it's just too much to carry with you because everything now is about that person and in a lot of ways rightly so. But when you're trying to win football games, you have to move on. And they couldn't move on because we were every question we asked. So, Josh, good practice today. How did tomorrow look watching practice today? Hey, Josh, (laughs) you know, I mean, that's what it was. Stefan, I know those DBs are pretty good. 
Um, does DeMar play similar to that when he's healthy and ready to go? And I heard he was in the building today. It's a lot to carry. Uh, Charles, uh, shifting over to the NFC side of things, after Philadelphia and San Francisco, it's kind of a, a, a mixed bag of who's the next team in the NFC. Yeah. Uh, who do you think might be the third team and who could possibly maybe even unseed the Eagles and Niners and get to an NFC championship? Well, we're going to see one of those teams opening night, and that's Ooh, Detroit. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and, they, and, and, and it's their time to carry a little bit with them. You know, we've never, I mean, when I say never, when's the last time you went into a season and said, you know, Detroit, never. feeling it. You know, <laughs> just think about it. I, I would I would have been too young when Barry Sanders was ripping it up. <laughs> right? <laughs> Even then, I don't think the Lions were getting love. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, he went to one NFC championship yeah, game, yeah. that team. And I think that 91 team that yeah, beat the Cowboys, Washington. got beat by Washington. Yeah. But other than that, Barry was Barry was a reason you watched Detroit play, and almost no other reason. You know that's just where they were, unfortunately. But to me, this team now—they're not the lovable hard knocks team last year, which they actually squandered all that love early and then gained it back late. Because you could make a case that that should have been a playoff team last year, but you come out of the gate one and six. That doesn't do it for you. And then, of course, they finished strong. And what told me that the corner had been turned, at least in my mind the corner had been turned, was not, was beating Green Bay and Green Bay in the last game of the season. Yeah. But not just because they beat them. It's because they beat them when they realized they had nothing yeah. to play for. See, remember, they knew right. before they hit the field that they were out of the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they mm-hmm. still went up there and jumped on the Packers and, and killed their dream. So I like Detroit, no question about it. Um, I think Seattle Bears watching – but I'm not as bullish on them, mm-hmm. you know, as, as, as other people might be. Gino's got to do it again, and I'm wishing him nothing but the best. And they've added to the receiving core, and the blockers are a year, year uh, older and added another runner. Normally, you don't worry about defense in Seattle because of Pete Carroll. We've had to worry about defense in Seattle for about five years now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. <laughs> we've almost <laughs> overlooked that part. So let's see where that part goes. And, and, and then, the, look, let's be honest. The NFC South, you can make a case for yeah. any one of the four yep. teams to win the division, which means to me, I'm not putting any of those teams in the real chase. Have you, I, I, like, I know it's probably happened, but I haven't, because the NFC used to be, you know, there used to be, they used to have like five, six teams that could be, you know, 10, 11 win teams. Now it's like, okay, well, you got the Niners, you got the Eagles, you know, maybe Detroit can win the NFC North. But have you ever seen such discrepancy between the two conferences? At least a quarterback. Well, yeah, I think I think that's what you've just hit on, yeah. and that's where it is. You know, who has the quarterbacks? And the AFC has quietly been accumulating mm-hmm. a serious force, haven't they? Yeah. And and you know, let's go through them very quickly. In certain cases, Josh Allen is one of the superstars of the league, and he came out with as many questions <laughs> or more. Yeah. Small than school. you had people endorsing him. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Small school accuracy, right? You know, would he be able to handle the bigger stage? You know, all these things that went with it. And he has more than done all of that. Now he's on the cover of Madden. I mean, and and has earned it, okay? Terrific player. Mahomes wasn't even the first quarterback taken in his draft. (laughs) And he makes sure people remember (laughs) it quietly. And some guy named Trubisky went up ahead of him, right? (laughs) So, So he remembers things of that nature, even though, 
Kansas City went up from 27 to 10 to get him. Mm-hmm. Okay. Justin Herbert coming out of Oregon. People were saying he wasn't a leader. He didn't have the, have the voice, the vocal ability to be that quarterback, didn't have that kind of presence. Okay, I think we're all past that now when you watch him sling it around. Trevor Lawrence, we thought, was going to be great from day one. He had to bump in the first year because he had a coaching staff that was miserable. They did a horrible job. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. I'm not even trying to be a jerk about it. All right, These are people that I know and people that I would consider I'm friendly with. And they would probably want to punch me in my face right now. <laughs> all I would do is turn around and go, all I got to do is turn on tape. It doesn't take long. All we have to do is remember the season. You did a bad job. Okay? Mm-hmm. You, did, you did really quarterback malpractice with that kid. Doug Peterson and his crew in one season. Oh, that's the kid we were all crazy about. <laughs> remember him? So yeah. that's what I'm talking about. We could go on and on, mm-hmm. but you're right. The, the quarterbacks in the AFC, that's where it is. And wouldn't it be something if Russell Wilson back, bounced back to yeah, form? Yeah, exactly. And that would be one more the NFC lost? Right. <laughs> even like, even lost Jimmy Garoppolo, if you want to throw him in there, too. <laughs> Listen, I didn't even bring up Rodgers. Yeah, him you too. You know, Rodgers go yeah. from the NFC to the AFC. I oh. didn't even have to go there. And, like, if you really – like, the second-best team in the NFC, the Niners, have Mr. Relevant as their starting quarterback. So it, it's just insane. Uh, another team – Another team in the NFC North uh, that you know, obviously they lose Aaron Rodgers and they're starting a new quarterback in Jordan Love. Uh, he's had a pretty good start to the preseason. I know there's a lot of obviously he's going to have a lot of question marks. Oh, is he going to be the guy? He's replacing a Hall of Famer just as Rodgers did. Uh, what's your read on Jordan Love and and how maybe successful the Packers might be in his first year as a, as a starter? I think he's going to be more successful than maybe the the doubters are yeah. going to give him, and it's easy to do. Look. When Rodgers went to Green Bay, and remember Brett Favre wasn't exactly uh, welcoming and excited about mm. the whole thing, and then they then they danced that dance for a few years before the GM Ted Thompson finally said, "Okay, enough, we're moving on." Take you know, see ya. And mm. Brett had some good years down the stretch before finally exiting. Yep. Aaron Rodgers' first year, Green Bay doesn't make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. He plays fine, yep. like you know, he, he's he, but he does, they don't make the playoffs. So immediately it's a disaster. That could very easily happen with Jordan Love this year. Mm-hmm. But at least Aaron Rodgers had more veterans around yes. him. Jordan Love's top receivers, First <laughs> he's older than all of them. Yep. <laughs> they're, all, they're all into their second season yep. playing. And this is their first season together because last year they played with Aaron. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot to go, go with there. I, I could see Green Bay not making the playoffs, not having a normal quote-unquote Packers season, but Jordan Love being just fine. Got to spend some time with him this summer. I like his presence and his bearing. And I know his private quarterback coach very well, a man by the name of Steve Calhoun. Mm. Runs this place called Armed and Dangerous, which I think is one of the coolest (laughs) names for a quarterback school. But Steve does a wonderful job, and he's been with Jordan for a long time. I just feel like there's something there. Is there bias on my side? Certainly sounds like it. (laughs) So I'm rooting for him, Mm -hmm. but I do think he's going to be okay. Charles Davis, NFL analyst for CBS, joining us here on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar. Guest hotline, Big Show, Russick and Rose with Patrick, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Uh, kind of touched on this before you jumped on, Charles. Um, as NFL fans around the country, I know we've talked about the Lions a little bit. Are they now everyone's second favorite team uh, supplanting the Browns <laughs> because of the whole Deshaun Watson thing? Great point. And don't you feel like it started last year? Yeah. 
Yeah, I really felt like Hard Knocks made them America's second favorite team. And I heard that a number of places. I, I legitimately had people say that exact phrase to me. My favorite team, of course, is X, whatever city I was in, right? Right. But, boy, that Lions group, <laughs> I really like what they were doing. I'm going to keep an eye on them. That You know, it started with Dan Campbell's first press conference when he was introduced as a head coach, <laughs> and he became a curiosity factor. He likes football, Charles. He really likes football. Have you, have, have you, has that come through? Because I wasn't quite sure. I thought he was a little bit on the fence on the whole thing. But but isn't it isn't it funny? Because let's face it, we're media people, right? But let's not get you know, let's not beat around the bush on that one. That first presser where he was talking about biting kneecaps and this, that and everything. <laughs> our brethren walked out of that presser and went, Oh boy. If it works, this is gonna be a seminal moment. If it doesn't work, we're going to beat him over the head with this press conference the rest of his life. And now he's gone past the press conference, and now he's the dude, right? I mean, you're watching the big Lebowski. Here's the dude. And the dude is right there in front of us, and he is likable. He's, He's dedicated to his team. Now they've got to get over the finish line. And the finish line the first time is the playoffs. After that, obviously, it's got to be deeper than that. Because Jim Caldwell did a terrific job there in Detroit. People will look back now and go, you know, Coach Caldwell was pretty good because we went to playoffs two out of three years with him. Mm-hmm. And then the next regime decided they wanted their own guy. It didn't work with Matt Patricia. But now you look back and look at Jim Caldwell, always competitive. But Jim Caldwell's persona is nowhere near what Matt, what Dan Campbell's is. Jim right. Caldwell, very stoic, very, very to the point. you know. But, boy, he could coach some football. Dan Campbell, whole different personality, but it certainly looks like he can coach football. What are the reasonable expectations of the Cleveland Browns this year? Bigger than probably people would normally expect. But if you look at that roster, that's a good roster. Like, you go Mm -hmm. player for player with that roster, they're good. I used the term mulligan before about Buffalo and what happened with DeMar Hamlin. I think I can use the same term with Cleveland last year for this reason. Yes, you signed Deshaun Watson. Yes, you upset 31 other owners in the league. (laughs) Yes, you killed the pay balance and the whole deal for a guy who had so many things looming over him. You know, in a normal situation, you probably shouldn't do that, but they did it anyway. And then he got hit with 11-game suspension to start the season. Season's done before you ever kick off, all right? If Jacoby Brissett had pulled that one off, whoa. Because you knew no matter what, after game 11, Deshaun Watson was going to play. You're not paying him $230 million guaranteed to sit. They could have been 10-1, and one, and he would have taken over as a starting quarterback. But that season, you're just like, ah. And it went. And they did fairly well, all things considered. In fact, Jacoby Brissett's record as a star was way better than Deshaun Watson's. But he also hadn't played in it felt like three years. Now, I'm exaggerating, but that's what it felt like. So now he's had an entire offseason. He's had all the OTAs, all the mini camps. There's no suspension. There's no lockout from the team. There's none of that. Now we're saying if we can get Deshaun Watson in 2020, who led the league in passing, the Browns can be very dangerous in a division wide open. I don't think so. To me, Cincinnati's the best team in that division as we start the season. Baltimore not far off from it, if at all. But Cleveland should not be backing down to anyone, including Pittsburgh. And here's the last little fact about that division. Since they've gone to these divisions, which was 2002, 
Pittsburgh's never finished last in their division. Never. And guess what? Were they being picked by everyone this year? I feel like a lot of people are picking them last in the division. Uh, Charles, uh, the Dallas Cowboys are obviously always uh, an intriguing group heading into any season. They're always billed <laughs> yeah. as, a, as a favorite, uh, or at least in their minds, as a favorite to get to uh, get to the, uh, the the promised land. But how many? Yeah. You know, like you, they get they only got so many more years, really. I mean, Dak Prescott, right. he is what he is. I don't think he's gonna blow up the world here and and become a, a super elite quarterback, but. It's a good, it's a really good roster there in Dallas, but obviously they they always have a lot of noise going around them and whatnot. Uh, <laughs> what's what's your read on the Cowboys? I know the Eagles, yeah, they're still like the the team to beat there in the yeah. NFC East, but that's that's also a good division that I don't think a lot of people are, are giving a lot of love to. Good point. And it was just a few years ago when you know you're winning the division at five hundred or maybe below. Yeah. Washington did it one year, yeah. remember? Um, so so you're right about that. If Dak Prescott takes the 15 interceptions he threw last year and cuts them in half and those become touchdowns, yeah, whole new, whole new view, right? That changes and elevates him, obviously. They need Tony Pollard, the runner, to be healthy because they made the decision he's the guy instead of Zeke, Zeke Elliott. Mm-hmm. And I think it's the right decision, but Pollard's coming off of injury. You know, and by the way, a leg injury. And what is he? A running back. Mm. So all those things have to be taken into account. But you're right, really good roster. Excellent team. I think going the season, you have to pick them second behind Philadelphia. I mean, if you're a real fan, you can go, well, I think they can get them this year. Okay, I get it. Because because in that division, there has not been a repeat division champion in the NFC East since 2003-2004. Eagles, yeah. And that was Philadelphia. So I get all those things. I like this team. Dan, Dan uh, Quinn has really done a magnificent job with the defense because that's always been an Achilles heel for them. I like this team a lot. You mentioned the noise around the team because they are America's team, and I get it, but they also create their own noise around the team. Yeah, the owner right? helps. They, they do it to themselves. They do it to themselves. So <laughs> they just have to learn to, to deal and live with it. I think they're a playoff team again. I'd be surprised if they are not. And then we'll see what happens because we all know the record about them in the playoffs since the, the heyday of the early Super Bowls mm-hmm. under Jerry and Jimmy Johnson. And Barry Switzer. Yeah. Oh. Sorry. Right. Um, there's one storyline, Charles, I've been, I want to keep my eye on for this entire season, and it's not the sexiest one, but is there a chance the Cardinals will pick one and two in the draft next April? <laughs> there's a chance. You know, it's sitting there. They're sitting yeah. there with those, those options, right? I mean, because they, they, acquired, they acquired a pick, okay, when they made that trade, and I think that was the uh, Paris Johnson trade. So, yeah, yeah, there's a there's an opportunity, and we're all kind of eyeballing it like, wow, could they come out of it with the top quarterback and then whatever the top, you know, other players that they want? Right. At the end of the day, I think we're probably going to not have that happen just because it's just too intriguing and too juicy and those things usually don't come to pass. But it is fun to watch, and they are a candidate to do it. That is, I think, what we're really trying to say. Are they truly a candidate to have that happen? And the answer is yes. It's a bad roster right now. Uh, First-year head coach in Jonathan Gannon, who I think is a very good football coach, but it just doesn't feel like that roster and what they're putting together is going to jump out there, and all of a sudden we look up and go, my goodness, the Cardinals in one season, what a renaissance. I think that's a lot to ask because your number one quarterback isn't going to play until 
right? So you're starting the season probably with Colt McCoy. And then who's behind oh, Colt boy. McCoy? Is Clayton? Is it Clayton yeah. Toon, who they drafted this year out of Houston? Who's it going to be? But in none of those cases do you see a person that you go, okay, I can ride this quarterback and we might steal a game or two. Is there any chance Kyler Murray gets dealt this season, or is that something they would potentially explore next season? Because I feel like his time in the desert, Charles, is limited. Yes, it's kind of limited. Yeah, I, I get where you're coming from. It's a vibe, isn't it? You know, it's a yeah. vibe more than anything else because, you know, they signed him to that monster contract. But even when they signed him to the contract, they put that, that little-known codicil from the Faber Charter in there of, you have to study your playbook and made it public. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Which they which they didn't yeah. have to do. You you fight that out internally, but from what I was told from from some very trusted sources, there was someone very 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 high up in the organization that insisted that that be put in there, and he didn't care if it was public. So that tells me that all's not really right <laughs> in the world there. That there is some, you know, I'm going to show you type of deal going on. So your point is well mm-hmm. taken. I think if you are other teams around the league and you're thinking about doing this, you're going to want to see him play first. I think you're going to want to see him play before you make a move and, and say, okay, I feel like he's back and he's healthy and he's this. Because remember, at his height, whatever he's measured, 5'10 and a quarter, whatever it is, what changes the game for him are the other gifts that he has. The quickness, the suddenness, the speed, the burst the ability to move and find the sight lines and deliver. If those are compromised, then the 5'10 and a quarter comes into play. Now it comes into play in a big way. Okay, so he's got to be able to have that. I think everybody's going to want to see that, especially with the kind of contract you're talking about taking on. Right. Charles Davis uh, from the NFL on CBS. Charles, always a pleasure. Let's do it again soon, pal. Thanks for this. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. It's always a pleasure to talk with you. Let's do it again real soon. Sounds good. There's Charles Davis on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar Guest Hotline. 15-time Consumer's Choice Award winner at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast for pickup or delivery. Call 403-248-3344. I'm feeling it, Patrick. Mm -hmm. Cardinals with a 1-2 and pick in the draft next April. Uh, I mean, Houston doesn't look like they're going to be. They obviously have a quarterback that uh, is a rookie that's going to be learning. And uh, whoever you want to believe on C.J. Stroud, he's going to really struggle this year. But... Uh, yeah, it's never happened, and I believe in the history of the NFL where a team picked the no. first and second overall. And Arizona, they're obviously going to be – Kyler Murray's going to be missing the start of this year and and uh, and whatnot with as he heals up. It's it's tough. It's tough to try and find any sort of good – any sort of silver lining in that Arizona team, which it's weird. It's, they were – just a few years ago, they were one of the top teams in the NFL and the NFC for sure, mm-hmm. and now – uh you know, they picked first overall. They think they got their guy in Kyler Murray, but it's never, never feels like it's gotten to a point where Kyler can be the guy. Like, we talk about it. Like, Kyler was shown time at bits that he can be a really good quarterback. And I, we say, okay, after Jalen Hurts and after San Francisco, like, who's the next thing? And, like, nobody's mentioned Kyler Murray anymore as, as, a, as a top quarterback in this league or even as he's mm-hmm. shown any ability to get back to those heights anymore. So maybe a change of scenery for uh, for Kyler. And also this year, uh, the Cardinals have, like, some of the worst uniforms uh, you might ever see. Uh, part of their, <laughs> seen their new uniforms. Uh, just terrible. Uh, so fitting as they'll probably win, like, okay. two, three games this year.
I like that you make football fashion your passion. Oh uh, yeah, Patrick, I really appreciate that. And in, a, in, a, in an off season where the NFL did some damn good work with their uniforms, uh, with the alternates and whatnot, the Arizona Cardinals right. rebrand is terrible. terrible. Um, straight ahead, he won the Shaw Charity Classic down at Canyon Meadows uh, mm-hmm. yesterday. Uh, Ken Duke's going to join us, and uh, I want to touch on that Noah Hannafin uh, Buffalo Sabres sure. connection that I'm trying to piece together here. Uh, we'll do that to wrap up the show. It's the big show, Russick and Rose with Patrick, Sportsnet 960, the fan. You're listening to the big show on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960, the fan. Live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio, it's the big show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, the fan featuring Patrick Dumal, Matty Rose back tomorrow. Yeah. We're waiting to hear from uh, Ken Duke, mm-hmm. um, won the Shaw Charity Classic down at Canyon Meadows. We'll connect with him uh, hopefully shortly, but um, have my tinfoil hat on. Yes. Um, went, went on a deep rabbit hole online. Not really that deep. <laughs> but um, You heard about a trade of the Buffalo I heard about defenseman. a trade, and then it got my spidey senses <laughs> tingling. Much like... Much like the Jeff Petrie deal when the Habs were involved in the Eric Carlson deal to Pittsburgh and the Habs are like the third team to take the Petrie salary. And then you see the Habs, you know, not send out any uh, social media welcoming uh, Jeff Petrie back to the team. Yeah. This trade by the Buffalo Sabres on Friday night gets my spidey sense tingling. We know that Noah Hannafin, a guy who says he's not going to re-sign long-term with the Calgary Flames, has one year left on his deal. Very serviceable top four defenseman something the Buffalo Sabres need. And then all of a sudden, a guy Buffalo uh, really liked, so much so they signed him as an unrestricted free agent, and then all of a sudden trading him to Anaheim, Labushkin, for a fourth-round pick. That got my spidey senses tingling, because if I look at that Sabres blue line right now, uh, Patrick, uh, they got Rossum Stalin, who's got one year left before he's an RFA. They're going to sign him long-term. They rolled the dice and found signed uh, Matthias uh, Samuelson to that forever deal. At four point two five, but a uh, good 4. number two eight five. Yep. Uh, Connor Clifton is there, three point three three. Eric Johnson, uh, veteran help. Uh, Henry Yokiharu uh, is there right too. But and Owen Power, of course, who looks like yeah, a, the real deal is going to be a total. Feels stud. like you're missing a piece there. A top yeah, four defenseman, doesn't it? Perhaps. Uh, yeah, doesn't it? Man, Buffalo makes the most sense. I think they've made the most sense all summer. They've got the prospect pools and the young yep. forward group, and and who knows, maybe Calgary would want one of the younger defensemen. I don't know, like I don't know how, like you know, it's I I, it's, I don't know how they feel about Henry Yokiharu. That's a guy they obviously do like as well. But maybe I do like that forward group. One of those guys, middle who's an RFA next year. Same with Peyton Krebs. It could any piece involving something around those two? I think you could totally sneak something over the over the line here and get uh, Hannafin uh, to Buffalo. He wants to go to the U.S. Buffalo, albeit probably the most Canadian city of the American yes. franchise. Absolutely. <laughs> um, so you're in the U.S., but not quite. Uh, yeah, yeah. It, it made it made the most sense for him to go there because even before they sent out Yoki Haru, you're like, oh, Owen Power. Yeah, he'll be entering his second year, and we see like he's. Feels like he's going to be a. Oh, he's a, legit. Patrick. He's going to be a 
Oh, oh yeah, like my guy. I can't he's even... the truth. Yeah, <laughs> and then Rasmus Dahlin, who uh, who's going to be a, too. He, he's going to be a Norris winner before it's said and done, I believe. Yep. As well, you throw Hannafin in there to be your your, your top, like a second pair guy. My God, man, that 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 would look good quick. And I think Buffalo. I think you add Hannafin and Buffalo. They missed the playoffs yep. by a point. They missed the playoffs by one point. The team that they missed to made it all the way to a cup final. So a Buffalo is there, and we talked about what's that next Atlantic team to make the next step. Is it Detroit? Yep. Is it Ottawa? It's Buffalo. It could well, easily be Buffalo here. And if 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 one of those Atlantic teams falls out, if 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 Boston's going to be fighting for a wild card spot, Buffalo could be right there fighting it with them. And, and that's definitely a tortured fan base. Like oh, you're talking God, about yeah. the playoff longest playoff drought gone. in the league now. Yeah, I think in North American sports, is it not? Uh, yeah, no, uh, the I think they're tied with the Angels and Tigers. I'm is that sure. what it is? Because so. it was the it Mariners might be until the Mariners made it last year, It might year, right? be longer now because I think the Sabres last made it, what, like 2010, 2011? Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah. It's been a minute since they made it to the playoffs. And again, this is something I keep talking about that I don't think people realize. Buffalo's an incredible hockey market. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, the TV ratings in the United States, the highest come out of the city of Buffalo. And I, you know what? Like again, people will roll their eyes because in Canada here we're we're hockey snobs when it comes to our game. We are, like we look down on other countries when it comes to our game, right? Like, oh, you're American, yeah. you don't know what you're talking yeah. about, kind of thing, right? I, this is what we do here as a country, as a collective. Mm-hmm. I know, I know, it's you know, I'm, I'm grouping everybody in, and that's not necessarily the case, but we we're all guilty of it at some point with fans and media. They love their team in Buffalo so much, they care what's going on in Rochester. Oh, yeah. They're like they us with the Wranglers. Yeah. They care. Yeah. Like, they have a show on WGR 550 that is completely dedicated to their American Hockey League. Amherst Hour or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> we don't have that here. No Wranglers show. The the Wranglers show. Maybe we should. Azam, you want to do a Wranglers show? Azam, you want to do an hour Wranglers show? Oh, 100%. I'm good for that. Yeah, hell yeah. Okay. I mean, you did a Hitman show. You do Wrangler show too. Yeah, wrangling Wranglers with a Zom. Wrangling the Wranglers. Title. Yeah, <laughs> terrible title. But no, I get you. I get you. No, Buffalo is a is a market. They know. They live and breathe hockey. Yeah, they and, do. And they are a smart fan base. And that's a team that wants to take and the next a, step. Exactly. It's a young group. Like I would to be a, like right. sure. Yeah. Say living in Buffalo, it sucks. Yeah, it's cold. Whatever. But you know what? Like, so's Boston. So, yeah. so like, like you're, you're, it's just like that. But to join that young group, I think like they'll be soon. They'll be better off sooner rather than later. And I, Calgary, Buffalo, it makes it makes a lot of sense. See, the only thing when it comes to um, Casey Middlestat, and he's a guy that you know, high draft pick, a lot of expectations. Yeah. He's been a good NHLer, but not lived up to, you know, what he should be potentially. I mean, for an eighth uh, overall pick, yeah. I'm a little I'm a little leery of doing that because well Patrick he's American. Why not try to get the kid from Okotoks and Peyton Crest? Well, exactly the guy from from 15 minutes down the road, uh, right? Who uh, maybe not has shown the skill and, as much in the NHL level, but uh, I, mean, I mean he led the Sabers in fights last year, I believe. Uh, dude's a scrapper, <laughs> right? I'm not saying you know I'm not saying uh, you know he's the centerpiece of the deal, no. but I think. 
because again, you, you get a guy like Casey Middlestat. He, he's a yeah. RFA. Does he want to stay in Calgary? He's American. I don't know. Even maybe like, even like a Tyson Yost, who's uh, who's a UFA. Maybe maybe the UFA gives you a little bit of uh, scares you away a little bit. But Tyson Yost is a guy is a guy that uh, could fit in this team as well. But I think a, a deal centered around one of those young names. Uh, they still have a really good prospect system. Uh, I'm just gonna, don't know the top. Uh, Top pro Matthew Savoie, uh, I guess, would be there. They they're not going to let Zach Benson go because they're, they're going to consider him a steal. Uh, yeah, with they with him coming, but Noah Oslin's there. Uh, Isaac Rosen is another guy that, that that's as uh, a young name that's up and coming with the Sabres. So they have they have guys in the system. Yuri Kulich, uh, who who could easily uh, be a part of thrown in a trade with, with like a Krebs in a second round or something like that. And I think I think if you're Calgary, you're like, okay, this is a guy that's the only one of the UFAs that said, I don't want to be here, really, after this year. Yeah. If I'm going to say he's the only one that's come out and said he wants to play with an American team is and it, everything. Is it imperative that the Flames get a, a an NHL player back in a Hannafin deal? Does it have to be like that? Or is picks and prospects enough? Well... Uh, you go ask around anybody with this uh, with this Flames. They do need they, to start. They want to be a playoff team. They do want to be a playoff team for sure. But this is also well, we also don't have a lot of high end prospects in our system. And uh, a guy like Isaac Rosen, like he, he could who, who could very well be on a, on an NHL opening right roster as well. Um, I don't know if it necessarily needs to be. I think. I think, yeah, it probably needs to have at least one NHL body coming through. If you're sending a guy like Noah Hannafin out who would be in your top four, you're not, you're not, you're not tearing things down. This isn't a, okay, well, well this is a futures deal. I think it's got to be a mixture of both. But again, a guy one year away and he's not, there's no guarantee he'd sign long term. That's obviously going to limit your return. Mm-hmm. But I, I, it's, yeah. But again, unless it's like, unless it's a problem in the room or right now, like, again, like, it doesn't feel like, Calgary is going to be they they're okay right now with everybody going into the season. Yeah, I think I think this is going to be a topic that we are just going to beat to death like nobody's business is all of these guys and the distractions around all of it and who's going to go where, how is this going to happen, what is this going to look like because that's going to be something that we're going to be talking about all year. Okay, uh Hannifin, Lindholm, Backlund, Tanev, rumors all over the place. Patrick, mm-hmm. like that's Again, so again, what's what's worst case scenario here? This team's a playoff team, firmly entrenched into a playoff spot, or at least right there in the playoff race. And then all of a sudden, you're just gonna totally rip apart the roster by trading away key pieces because you have to you have to worry about your franchise three, four, five years down the road. But that's what all good teams do; they mm-hmm. plan ahead for two, three, four, five years down the road. Is this team willing to trade its number one center if they're in a playoff spot if he doesn't have an extension? I think you have to. Because you have the ghost of Johnny Goudreau in yep. the background, right? Yeah, I mean, because there was no way they were trading Johnny Goudreau at the time. No, this they're, team, they're a again, top team in the from West. The outside, the from the outside, Patrick, I I had the opinion of saying, "Man, you're playing a dangerous game. You can't let that guy walk for free." But at the same time, this team was a legitimate Stanley Cup contender at the time, and you got you, shooters got to shoot, I guess. Right, and that team was yeah. was right there in the Stanley Cup conversation, and it didn't work out that way, and and things fell flat on their face. But with the ghost of uh, Johnny Goudreau in that in that just situation that happened here, mm-hmm. 
Can you really lose any of these guys for nothing? No, it's not an envious position to be in, uh, especially if the Flames plan on being a playoff team, if they are a top-five team in the Western Conference come the trade deadline. I, like, I... I, I obviously it'll be on the backs of these guys that are, are one year away. If in the, if Elias Lindholm has a, a massive bounce back and he, he clicks with Jonathan Huberdeau, whoever the hell he's playing with this year, if he clicks and he can find any sort of semblance to what he was two years ago, then yeah, you're probably not moving him because you need him to be playing with you come the playoffs. But I think this is a, a situation where like yeah, if you're asking me right now that like, I don't like Right now, asking me on August 21st if the Flames will be in a playoff position around the trade deadline, I think they're going to be fighting tooth and nail for a wild card spot, just like it was this year. Yeah. If if, if you're asking me for my honest opinion. Yeah, I agree with you. So, um, like, it's, it, and at that point, yeah, you probably move them. Um, I, and again, we always love your feedback. Name and location, 960-960 on the text line. Uh, Jay in Evanston, or Jay Evanston? Uh, Jay Evanston? in Evanston. Where's Evanston? It's in the northwest. Okay. One of the newer newer communities. Okay. I like to learn stuff. Well, it's like you know 15 that. years old, I should say, but it's not that yeah, new. Evanston. Yeah. At least I said that right. Yes. Evanston. Um, any truth to the fact that Backlund's house is up for sale? Here we go. I have no Jay, idea. Maybe he's just moving to a different house. There's that. I have no idea. Um, yeah. I don't know about these Josh things. Josh Morsey's yeah. building a new house here in Monroe. That's because he lives here in the offseason. Yeah. Uh, no, because he wants <laughs> to be no, a, he wants a, to a be Calgary a flame. flame. That's why. <laughs> Uh, I have no idea uh, when, when it comes to the, the old sales and everything like that. I don't know where, where any of these guys live, but Backlund's the type of guy that he's made it clear that he wants to be a, a part of a contending group. And and yep. right now it's made it clear that they're going to be contenders. Like they did, they, they could have tore this thing down at the draft. They totally could have tore this down, thing down, but they didn't. They stayed the... They stayed true. They're not moving the UFAs. They're obviously still working out, trying to work out a long-term deal with with Lindholm. But I think, like I said, if they're in a wild, if they're fighting for their wild card lives at the end of February, early March, I think you move them. I think you move what you can. Because there's, why, why, I know just getting in, and I know everybody just craves, oh, that two, those two home playoff games matter so much to a, to a market that was rocked by COVID. But that's not good for the long-term situation and health of this team. Mm-hmm. It is not. Because this team needs prospects. It needs picks. Because it's going to be a grim situation here in a few years. When those Huberto and Kadri contracts look like absolute albatrosses. When they're 35 plus. Yeah, but but again, we, we don't know. Like, I, I don't know. I'm really excited to see, to watch Matt Coronado this season. Yeah. I'm Matt, really excited to watch him. Coronado might be to watch the... Jacob Peltier. Yeah. But uh, like I was saying, like, Sam Honzik might be something. Sam Honzik maybe could next totally year be something. I think maybe two years from now. I, I think, don't know. I think Honzik could be a guy that can fight for the first eight games in the NHL season this year, right? Given Those a good are enough good problems camp. to have. Those are good problems to have. But out of that group right now, like Coronado might be the one guy that yeah he might be a top six guy. Everything else is a lot of unknown. Yeah. Elche might just be a middle six guy, maybe that third liner. Just he'll tr- he'll contribute. He'll be a good player to have on your team. But of the elite guys to be a top six guy to score, Coronado might be the one guy. We we don't even know. We there there's there's a world, there's a scenario where Huberto and, and Coronado just gel. Yeah. And, totally. and Huberto finds him and he's he's just oh, a, I, the kid's got an incredible shot. If Coronado's starting the year with Flames, I think he has to be on a line with Huberto. Yeah. I want to see what that looks like. 
And obviously there's a ton of runway with that, Patrick, because as you mentioned, Huberto ain't going anywhere. Ooh. That monster contract kicks in this season. Why not? Mm-hmm. Like again, yep. there's just there's just a lot of unknowns. If if Jacob Markstrom bounces back to being a guy that was up there in the Norris Trophy conversation, but, Flames can absolutely yeah. fight for a playoff spot, if not be a playoff team. They absolutely can. But at the same time, because again, I love the optimism with a lot of our media colleagues. This also could go south really quickly for the Calgary totally Flames. Totally could go south if Jacob Markstrom gets off to a slow start and is letting that first shot in the game seemingly every game him and Bobrovsky which they did last season and this team is losing all these one goal games again this can go south and this could be a big time fire sale for the Calgary Flames but at the same time I don't even think that's the worst case scenario either we think a new building is on the horizon and I've been talking about this what for months like, would it be the worst thing in the world if you tore this thing down and you're moving into a new building with a young and exciting team full of high-end prospects? Not That's at all. not the worst thing in the world, Patrick. No. If there was ever a time where you could do, like, a reset of the franchise and really bottom out and really get these high-end prospects, mm-hmm. it would be now on, on the eve of moving into a new barn, mm-hmm. whenever that is. Mm-hmm. And I know there's a lot of cynicism and pessimism when well, it comes to a new rink <laughs> until there's a shovel in the ground. Wake me up when that happens. And I totally understand that because I don't feel the pain that you guys have been feeling your entire lives about going games down to the Dome, which, by the way, has fantastic sight lines. We crap on the Dome a lot, but to actually watch the game in the Dome is fantastic. Oh, that press it's just the amenities suck. Yep. It sucks. Yeah, it's like, not worth Actually sitting in your seat and watching the game, mm-hmm. great spot, mm-hmm. great views, mm-hmm. really close to the ice. Love it. Going to the washroom, walking through the concourse, blows. <laughs> it does. But actually watching the game, great. Keep that in the new barn. Bigger, wider concourse, bright, enormous bathrooms, no lines, stuff like that. Great. This would be the time to reset to have this exciting young team move into a new rink. Yeah, I think, Again, this I, would be the time. I think they are going to, like, the thing is you it's resetting with that $10 million contract is just so hard. It's just going to be so like, I don't know. I don't know. Like it too. A lot of this will be bouncing on. You got to hook. Okay. Jonathan Huberto. We got to expect this. We need to get him back to his 70, 80 point expectation. Like, I don't think he's the hundred point guy that we, we saw two years ago, but he needs to be somewhere in that point per game type role for him to, to really make me feel better about this team going forward. I know it's not just Huberto, but like I man, he, he was he was better in the last quarter of the season. Mm-hmm. He was. Mm-hmm. And again, when you watch him play, he does make those tiny little plays, you know, oh, yeah. underneath he the shows goal it. line, those passes. Yep. Like he's very slick, he's very smart. The vision's incredible. It's off the charts. The passing's mm-hmm. off the charts. What did Daryl say? Best passer he's ever seen on his roster, yeah. ever, ever had the ability to coach. Like that's still there. Yep. And of course, you don't lose that. I think we made I think we made too many excuses about the human factor of everything. You know, moving to a Canadian market, new city, new teammates, all of that. You have to get acclimated to all of that, but Apparently, he's getting a lot more comfortable. He's like the social convener of the team. We've yep. heard that. Yep. He's reached out to a lot of the new younger guys about being here in Calgary. Seems like he's all in. Yep. You just hope that it translates to success on the ice because, yeah, wh- I think the Flames can be a playoff team. 
I, I absolutely do. I, I think, again, you're right. I think it's going to be tough. I think they're a wild-card team potentially because if you look around the conference, why, why can't the Flames be a wild-card team if they get some good goaltending for Jacob Markstrom? Mm-hmm. They absolutely can be a wild-card team. Or they're in a playoff position, and then they has to be a complete and total fire sale with guys like Elias Lindholm, Noah Hannafin, Michael Backlund out the door. Because and, and then and then yeah. and then your Stanley Cup, your playoffs is the trade deadline. Great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's when everybody gets excited. <laughs> we, oh, we, we, what do we get for our guys? Yeah, it's uh, no it, it, getting off to a key start. A good start to the season will go a long way. I mean, this is a team yeah. that's been. Uh, they got off to a decent start last year, and it kind of faded. But this is a team that really needs to come out in October. Really show up because I think a lot of people think uh, around the league. I think they 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 consider the Flames a bounce back candidate. Um, I I think it's kind of a mixed bag here. If you if you pull the fan base, I think you'll get. Yeah, we're not going to be as as bad as last year because you, you, a lot of that was luck. I mean, Markstrom, you expect him to be better. You, you expect him to make the first save. Uh, this has also been a team that's been very lucky with the injury bug of late. Um, so. It's it, it, it's just trying to get everything all together there, and that you you get better goaltending. You just get just just a little bit better from Markstrom. I think you can be a, a better team going forward. And then Oliver Shillington being back on the on the blue line here, that's going to open up a, so much speed from the back end as well. Like, it, it, he's going to be a, a big add for this group, and maybe it makes losing a Hannafin a little bit less less painful. Mm-hmm. Um, no can do, unfortunately. No, he never answered. Probably party too hard last night. He was going hard. His first um, win on the uh, Champions Tour in his 100th start. I guess the old saying is correct. 100th time's a charm. Yeah, man. <laughs> 100th time's a charm. And, no, yeah. it, was, it was a beautiful weekend. Uh, they raised a ton of money for charity. Uh, just great course conditions all weekend. The weather stayed well. Friday was a little rough, but uh, Saturday and Sunday were beautiful. Uh, smoke stayed away for the main moment part as well. Uh, nice. It was my first ever actual golf tournament that I've ever actually been to. Oh. So, yeah, because, I mean, not a lot of golf tournaments out here in Alberta, uh, professional ones at least. So, Well, uh, we're all going to be gearing up for next year's edition and also the CP Women's Open. Yes, CP Women's Open will be rolling through here as well. That'll be really exciting Have a having a, uh, a major up in these neck of the woods. And, uh, you know, I, I, I kind of get why they don't have the PGA doesn't do too many events in, in higher elevation states and whatnot. Uh, like, like I, I just, is it because of the elevation? They, you don't see events well, as much on, in Mexico col- was ridiculous. Well, Mexico has, but I, like Dustin Johnson hit a yeah. nine iron, like 230 yards. Yeah. Like, like are you kidding me? But obviously like we're not as high as Mexico as well uh, down no, no, here, no. but I'm like, just saying yeah. that they, if they have an event in Mexico, they can have it anywhere. Yeah. So I, I, I just don't know why, like the PGA does not have any events in like the Rocky mountain States. Mm-hmm. So weird. Um, that's it for our portion. Uh, Maddie Rose, uh, back tomorrow. Yes. What do you got coming up in Mucho Big Show? I've got uh, the head. Oh, coach. Azam, you got it. Yeah, I got Azam's it. got it. Yeah. All right. Sorry. Uh, my bad. I've got. Is this uh, your first Mucho Big Show? No, GVP and I've done one uh, before. Did one last week? Didn't you? Yeah, we did one last week. Was I uh, here for that? No, uh, no it was you me and Maddie. Never. Yeah, we That's had weird. Peter I was off. I'm week. never off. <laughs> I'm always here. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah, this, what do you got? Uh, I got uh, the head coach of the Hitman uh, coming on uh, at the nine o'clock hour and Sweet. have a quick chat with him. See how summer's been. Uh, see how the team's going to be doing coming this season, and then we're going to replay the chat with uh, Dan Schulman. 
Yeah, great stuff uh, with Dan Showman. Uh, check out the podcast, Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon, wherever you get your favorite podcatcher. I think, Patrick, we should have a guest on my uh, Hannah Finn Sabres theory tomorrow. What do you think? Sure. Let's do that. We'll talk. Um, yeah, we will chat. Uh, that's it for us. Thank you for listening. Uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye. Bye. Sit, Ubu, sit. Good dog.